what is immunology? Is there a short way to explain how the immune system works? How does herd immunity work? What was Hippocrates trying to say when he said all disease begins in the gut? Welcome to the very first episode of the Supper Heroes podcast. I'm John O'Proudfoot, and in this episode, I chatted to Prof. Patrick Buick about immunology and COVID-19. Patrick is the co-founder of Senexa Life Sciences, an extraordinary professor of immunology at Stellenbosch University in Cape Town. We are live. This is the, what is this? The John O'Proudfoot live on Facebook uh, through to the Real Meal Revolution, the Supper Heroes Facebook group and many other platforms related to eating good, healthy food. And we have a very special guest with us today. This is Professor, extraordinary Professor Patrick Buick, who is the Scientific Director of Synexa Life Sciences, if that's correct, and, that correct. Uh, and Professor of Immunology um, at Stellenbosch University. Welcome, Professor. Thank you so much. Thanks, John. Uh, Patrick. So, this, uh, prof, prof, uh, prof Patrick. So, Patrick, again. Uh, no, no, that, uh, only my students call me Prof, so no need for that. <laughs> no, that's, I, I don't think I've ever called Tim Noakes Tim. I've only ever called him Prof, but I'll, I'll start afresh with you. So, what is, oh, an extra, what is an extraordinary professor? Well, okay. So, basically, I'm not employed by the university. I got the title due to activities within the academic world, um, training, lecturing, etc. And after so many years, when you've proven yourself, they give you the title. And so, um, but I'm not employed. I have never been employed by the university itself. So I'm, okay. I'm a part-time, I'm a part-time employee of the university. I don't get paid for what I do. Okay, great. And and you were telling me a little bit earlier, but so you're the director of a, of a big company, what does that company actually do? So it's okay, good question. Uh, so I'm a part-time academic, and then uh, in twenty, uh, well, seventeen years ago, two thousand and three, we started a company called Synexa Life Sciences. Synexa is a company that does what we call biomarker analysis. Now, you know, we all know if someone has inflammation, you go to the doctor, you get a blood drawn, and it comes back to you and says, "Oh, you've got CRP, you know, C-reactive protein." That is a marker of inflammation. Now, our work goes a bit further than that, and that is we get samples from subjects participating in clinical trials uh, overseas predominantly. And uh, so the you know, biomarkers what, that we are doing is the measurement, firstly, of the presence of the drug being developed in the plasma or serum or whatever of the subjects. But secondly, we have to show that the new drug, potential new drug, is safe and also will be efficient to treat a particular chronic condition. So we get the samples from these subjects, we analyze them, and then we report back to the pharma company doing the actual drug development. Okay, and and so and so being an academic in in immunology, I can see how that works. And what is your role? What is what is immunology as a whole? Oh, oh immunology. Well, wow. okay. Immunology was unheard of before the advent of HIV. So immunology is the um, study of the immune system. Now, we all know about the immune system. It can be friendly. It protects us against viruses, parasites, bacteria, but it can also be your enemy, and that is when it turns on itself and you develop so-called autoimmune diseases. In other words, conditions when your immune cells or your immune system starts destroying your own tissues. 
Uh, we know about the importance of, you know, um, immunity and cancer. I mean, we now know the old dogma of treating cancer using chemotherapy and radiotherapy. That's old stuff. Today, if you look at the new drugs that are being developed, is basically it, it harnesses the person's own immune system to fight off the cancer better. So it goes back to this old thought of enhance your immunity from within and you can actually prevent disease, cancer, and you can also use it to fight off the condition as well. So it's a special system where it's made up of both cells, but also soluble factors like antibodies. We all know about testing seropositive to EBV and COVID, for instance. Yeah. These are part of the immune system. It's your immune system kicking in and you can actually demonstrate the immune response in the test tube by measuring antibodies or cellular responses. Okay, so if, if I'm understanding what you say, so that was a bit about like what immunology, immunology is, but immunology, a little bit about yeah. And so, so the immune system you said is a combination of, uh, you said cells and soluble. Yeah. And well, your skin, let's say, your skin is part of the immune system because it's a barrier. It's right, only okay. if that barrier is burnt off, in the case of burn wounds, that you can actually allow the infiltration of infectious um, organisms, bacteria, etc. But it's also things like the mucosal surface, your saliva in your mouth contains enzymes to protect you. So we have different levels of immune system. Globally, it's referred to as the immune system, but you can actually break it down into barriers, soluble factors, and obviously the cellular factors as well that are cells are triggered to fight the bacteria or the virus. Oh, amazing. And okay, so what is herd immunity? Ah, good question. Herd immunity is when you basically allow an infected person into the community so that when the people actually become infected, they are building up the same immune response gently. Okay. It's at the moment, people are very scared to allow that to take place in COVID-19. Hmm. But it's been done in the past. I mean, you take, we have outbreaks of measles, for instance. You have one kid going to school, having picked up measles within a week. You know that the other kids are also infected. It's a natural immunity built up as a result of the introduction of the infectious organism or parasite or whatever into that community. So it's called herd, like a cattle, yeah. you know, herd of cattle, but it's a naturally acquired immunity to the infectious organism in question. We are dead scared at the moment to allow that for COVID. But I can promise you people are being tested COVID positive. How many people don't have the symptoms but are possibly have already seen the COVID-19? That was yeah. part of COVID, that, that was part of almost, you know, herd immunity acquired. Sure. That's so is that like a, um, the same mechanism in the body as the vaccine? Exactly the same, except that the vaccine will be part of the organism. Where it's okay. herd immunity, you see the real thing. You see okay. the whole organism and not part of it. Because okay. most vaccines will be, in fact, a subunit or a peptide derived from the organism. Whereas if you pick up the real McCoy, you see the whole organism and you actually build up immunity to it. And it tends to be the best natural immunity is the most long-lasting and the most e efficient immunity that you do build up. That's cool. So, so now, given that as like, and that's science, right? That's not like opinion. Oh, yeah. and, and no, no, no. That's not at all. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so the you've obviously heard, you know, Bill Gates might become a, a gazillionaire from this for like inventing the coronavirus. There's a lot of conspiracy. There's the bacteria. 
there's the um, manufacturing in the lab, the governments all conspiring. What is, you know, is that possible? And like, and, and after that, like, well, how do you think it actually started? Okay. You know, when they started reporting these COVID-19 cases in China, especially the area where it arose, okay, Wuhan. Wuhan is known to host the P3 or the BSL3, P5 facility, and they work on biological warfare organisms. So already myself, I said, well, guys, this is spreading too fast for a normal coronavirus. What's more than likely happened here is that there might have been a leaked of the virus into the community and from there it's just taken off. And in fact, if you look at all, and we have top-notch guys. I mean, when you have Luc Montagnier, the, the Nobel Prize winner for HIV, where he said in an interview on live um, French TV saying, I've got nothing to hide. They can't do anything against me because of my age and I'm a Nobel in a laureate. Um, where they've discovered that if you look at the genetic material of the COVID-19, it contains genes of the HIV. So what we think may have been happening was that they were using the COVID-19 as a vector for a vaccine development. And obviously, how it got out there, whether it was stolen and or purposefully leaked out that, I mean, obviously, it's conspiracy at the moment. But subsequent to Luc Montagnier, we know now that the French set up an, a collaborative type of project about five, six years ago, where they were supposed to work on this coronavirus together. But the French never made it through to Wuhan. And what it seems to have happened is that, in fact, the reticence to collaborate was a safety issue raised by French scientists. In other words, when you work with these highly infectious um, pathogens, you have to make sure that there are no leaks. There's just all the precautions, safety precautions are taken care of, mm. which was not the case. So I personally believe, yes, it is not a natural, bat-derived, you know, um, pangolin, etc. I don't believe it. They possibly used the bat virus as the original native virus, but since then it's been manipulated, and unfortunately it is highly infectious. And that's yeah. how it got out of the lab, we don't know. But certainly one day will come when people will have to account for this global, global pandemic that is causing havoc across the world. I mean, that's what you're saying is quite profound. I mean, that like, yeah. I, have, I have not heard this yet. This is insane. Really? <laughs> yeah, no, it's known. I mean, if, if you follow the scientific literature, okay, and it's, yeah. you look at the, the sort of the sequences, I mean, the DNA sequence of the virus, et cetera, et cetera, you realize that this is not a natural, cannot be. Yeah. I mean, another reason is, the, the um, spread of the virus is too rapid for it to be a coronavirus. And thirdly, a very important fact, which was in fact brought up by an, a US-based scientist last week, was saying that most of these coronaviruses are very much season-driven. Mm. And, you know, they would tend to come to the fore in the winter months, whereas here it's going across the world irrespective of the season. It's come down south, you know, in, in South Africa, where it's a lot warmer, up north. So already it says to you that it's not a normal virus that would be limited like a bad flu, for instance. A bad flu would be seasonal. Sure. So it's it's it can't be a natural thing. It cannot be. 
Well, and and your and I mean, if you had to guess between like uh, um, accidental or or malicious or intentional oh. um, spreading, <laughs> you're putting me on the spot there, John. <laughs> um, I, I would think, I would hope it's accidental. Mm, mm. I would really hope it's accidental. Otherwise, it would be really perverse to think that someone purposefully released this. Um, you know, I mean, there's also the conspiracy theory, uh, conspiracy therapy, uh, theories saying, yeah, the Chinese wanted to wipe out the other sort of global economy so they could recover faster and then become number one. Maybe, who knows? But deep down, I really do hope that this is a mistake. Mm. This is a, 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 you know, it was a an incident that should not have happened. And that then we have to question the safety issues of these facilities working on these type of pathogens. But I certainly hope that it is not purposefully set set free. Cool and and uh, very diplomatic, by the way. And so the the you know Bill Gates is saying. I mean, Bill Gates, the software developers, you know, come. And I, I just you know before you you go in there, I will disclaim that I know that if, if he's famous for developing software, but he's not a stupid guy. Okay, he's he's clearly hugely intelligent and he hasn't worked i think as a developer in 20 years so he's like you know he's in on this thing big time people give him quite a lot of flack he says it's 18 12 to 18 months for a vaccine um what are your thoughts on on, on like no. what, how do you think we eradicate it sure i i think look vaccine development normal vaccines would normally take you know 12 to 18 months but there are new technologies which can actually speed up the whole process i mean we did some work, when I say we, Synexa did some work for a company, US-based, where they use a very different approach for vaccine development. In other words, uh, instead of actually trying to develop a part of the virus and induce an immunity or an immune response to that, what they do is they don't even look at the virus. They know what the genetic material is like. So they create an artificial messenger RNA. In other words, this is the code that gets translated by your cells into a protein. So they inject subjects with a messenger RNA and let the person's own immune system respond to the proteins being translated. It's revolutionary. I mean, this is what the world's been waiting for. This is called the messenger RNA sort of technology. And there are two or three companies. And in fact, this company was the very first to get going, having had FDA approval about three, four weeks ago. So I reckon that that technology will speed up the whole vaccine development a lot faster. Mm. Much much faster. Yeah, so I think I think actually the it might have been not necessarily having developed it, but getting it on on a scale to to serve seven billion people. I think he was saying very was easy, speaking. very very easy, okay. very yeah. easy because it's all it's all synthetic. If you look at yeah. the sequence of that RNA, you just basically put the amino acids together and you actually get the structure that you want, and that's very well you know, that's what very well defined. Um, other vaccines where you have to, you know, get the vector into the DNA and then use a DNA vaccine, that obviously takes a lot longer. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty hopeful that we'll have a vaccine um, available at, you know, at global scale, hopefully by the end of the year and not longer than that. Well, that's that's nice. That's good to hear. When you mm. talked about like isolating proteins went a bit over my over my head, but I, I understand the gist of what you're saying and I'm sure the listeners will too. Um, but very good to hear. Exciting. So most people seem to be the, the people who are dying, unfortunately, seem to be those with chronic ill health. 
um, yeah. there seems to be a much greater risk. Do you know why? Sure. Um, if you look at the people who actually succumb to the disease, they all have pre-existing comorbidities. All the inflammatory type of condition, obesity, diabetes, cardiovascular cancer, all those diseases of lifestyle are all inflammation driven. And that is the biggest issue with this virus. And that is when the person becomes infected the first time, the immune system kicks in. But then the virus itself triggers and activates certain genes, genetic material in your own cell, to kick into the inflammatory process, the so-called cytokine storm. And people are dying, not because of the virus, but of the cytokines that are being released, massive amounts of cytokines. And these cytokines are very, very inflammatory in nature. So you already have an underlying inflamed state. Now you get the virus. The virus triggers even more inflammation. And the people are dying of heart attacks, mm. strokes. So it's all to do with that underlying inflamed um, condition in these, pre in these predisposed individuals. And if they get the virus, it just becomes an inflammatory you know, process. Sure. Um, you know, management has also had to be adapted because now they suddenly realize, you know, I mean, we're going mad trying to get ventilators into our hospitals. It's not necessarily the best way to, to manage these patients. Now what we realize is that ventilation or ventilators used actually induce very subtle lung damage. So you don't want to induce more inflammation in the lungs when you're trying to save the subjects. The right. ideal now, what they're now doing is rather than intubate and ventilate the patients, rather use high-flow oxygen therapy. In other words, just a simple mask with very high flow of oxygen. Those people who only get the oxygen therapy seem to survive better and less deaths than those who actually become intubated and ventilated. Wow, okay. And, and, so, yeah. and how fast is that? I mean, is that, um, you know, how is this information trickling out, you know, Obviously, we know the World Health Organization got a kidney punch the other day, but you know, how is this all filtering into the medical? It's, it's, it's through the medical sort of networks, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, every day, I, you know, I go onto the databases and just see what's the latest. And I mean, I must say, in the last two months, the number of publications on COVID-related immunology is overwhelming. I mean, we have, you know, literally 10, 15 publications a day. You know, a lot of people are putting their research out there as sort of pre-publication format so that people can access it. And that this whole inflammatory or cytokine storm um, that is experienced by these subjects, um, you know, I mean, it's very exciting because, I mean, about a month ago, I was saying, but why are we not using the big guns that we tend to use for autoimmune diseases to kill the inflammation? And lo and behold, well, they've just published some results where people are now being treated with a biological, in other words, it's an antibody that you inject in individuals, and it's normally an antibody that's used for rheumatoid arthritis. And oh, wow. bingo, wow, we're saving people. So if we can address the inflammation, we would be able to save a lot more of these individuals who land up in ICU. Yeah. Um, at the same time, one should actually be addressing what's the underlying cause for them to progress to the stage where they need to be put into ICU. And that comes down to a lifestyle problem that we face worldwide. And we're yeah. ignoring that completely, completely. Well, well, so so this is, you know, it's a hot topic. There was a radio interview with Prof Noakes the other day. 
and um, it you know rattled a few feathers. And he was saying, obviously, the low carb diet is the way to cure the illness. Which, well, that was that's like hyper summarizing. So, you know what, you know if you if you say if you you're obese, chronically ill right now, what you know is is it too late? Like, are you doomed yeah. or can you still? Is it okay? So I, I would I would say to do a certain lifestyle change now might still work but remember that it's been a lot of damage accumulated through the years that you've actually lived that way so for people to suddenly say oh i'm obese i've got diabetes let me do something about it by eating correctly etc it may be too late Mm. well i mean at the same time sorry uh, it it, it can happen i mean you can you know change the course of disease by introducing lifestyle changes now no doubt Mm. Yeah, and and you know one of the things I've seen, there's a company in the in the US called Verta, and they reverse diabetes in ten to twelve weeks in fifty percent. Yeah, in fifty sixty percent of their patients. So it's you know, and I mean, if if you can reverse diabetes, that must have an enormous um, huge, effect on inflammation. Huge, 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 yeah. huge. I mean, we know about the the inflammatory markers in diabetic patients. Yeah. Why is it that diabetes leads to cardiovascular problems? Leads to inflammatory renal failure and you know that type of thing it's inflammation driven inflammation is the biggest biggest lifestyle issues that we face today sure so so hippocrates okay (laughs) he says all um disease begins in the gut you know how far does that like um quote stand you know how strong is it well i always say to my patients and that is let nutrition be thy medicine and he was also the same person who quoted, who said that. Mm-hmm. Yes, it starts in the gut. Let me explain to you why. The gut happens to be the biggest immune organ. Not the cells that we see circulating in the peripheral blood, not the lymphoid organ. Your gut is possibly contains 75 to 80% of your immune system. Now, what's important to know is that in our guts, we have friendly bacteria that we refer to as the microbiome or normal flora. These bacteria are critical for the optimal functioning of our immune system. They train those immune cells, firstly, not to react to ingested proteins. I mean, we're eating foreign proteins every day. Mm. So there has to be a state of tolerance induced vis-a-vis our nutrition. Okay? So the flora are there to train the immune system, and when I say train, is also to control the inflammation that we normally see. So that is why, in the cases of these chronic conditions, all those patients that are diagnosed with diabetes, cardiovascular disease, obesity, cancer, are all have a disturbed micro, micro, microbial, okay, flora. So you reinstate that and you're already addressing a major part of that inflammation. So, and then if you don't do that and you still eat poorly, then you're in double trouble. So it starts with nutrition. You know, I always say people come and see me and they want advice and consult and what have you. And they arrive with these big plastic bags, big shopping bags, you know, full of supplements. And I say to them, whoa, hold on. Before we even look to see what you're using, tell me how you eat. Yeah. And these are the people who are wrongfully, you know, wrongly going out, 
purchasing supplements thinking that it will impact positively in their lives, but they are still the people who are eating and drinking the wrong things. So it starts with what you put down your throat. If you don't eat properly, if you don't train your immune system, no matter how many supplements you use, firstly, you may not be even absorbing them. Yeah. Because if the floor is disturbed, you're not absorbing. So let's eat correctly first before you can spend 2,000 Rand every month renewing the script for these particular supplements. So yeah, nutrition, nutrition and the gut. The gut is the origin of most chronic conditions. Got it. So what you're saying is that, um, you know, like before you decide what to put in over and above, you should actually decide on what to take away. So like exactly. if you're drinking Coke, if you're drinking Coke every day, there's no point in dropping. There's no like offsetting here. It's just. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, let's just touch on the subject of Coke, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, I mean, I, I get very hit up when I talk about this. Sorry, John. Yeah, go but for it. It's with the lockdown and the new regulations, you know, they're going on and on about the unhealthy habits, the smoking and the alcohol. But they're overlooking the very, very basic things that should not be allowed to prevent people from actually become obese, developing cardiovascular disease, etc. You take all the fizzy drinks, the Cokes, all the fast foods open. People have access to them. Rather than say, guys, here's a food parcel. I mean, I, I looked at some of the contents of these so-called food parcels that are being delivered. It's shocking to see what the government considers as being a healthy food parcels for these poor, desperate, desperate people. Mm. And we're expecting the infection to be controlled by preventing them from going out, but we're allowing them access to the Cokes and all the fizzy drinks and all the refined foods and all the junk foods. It's, it drives me crazy, it really does. Mm. Yeah, and, and I'm sure there's some financial stuff behind there as well. Like you know, oh. the tax the tax on tax on um, on sugar is quite high, you know, yeah. but also on cigarettes. So you wonder, like, I mean, I'd be interested to see like how how you know the, if if sugar and cigarettes were having competition as to like who could kill more. Who COVID. would win? Yeah, exactly. Like who would win. Yeah. yeah. Talking about cigarettes, and I'm not saying this, but they've discovered that nicotine could actually have a very positive effect. And I'm not saying that for people to go out there and start smoking. Because, I mean, yeah. smoking, you know, you're picking up the nicotine and the tar and all the you know, other uh, rubbish. But nicotine seems to have an effect. And I'm not too sure from an immunological point of view or an antiviral point of view how nicotine can actually work. So they're actually doing studies at the moment looking at the use of these nicotine patches in people who are infected to see whether it impacts on recovery. Sure. I'm going to yeah. sidestep that kind of worms there, but yeah, um, no, 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 don't, yeah. don't go down that road. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, let's talk about immunity as a whole. You know, like in the how how easy is it to boost immunity? I mean, is that something that one can do now? Yeah. Apart from obviously, yes. like you know, what 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 can we do to boost immunity? Okay, to eat the correct foods to sure. feed your immune system. Okay. Lots of fresh fruits, lots of fresh vegetables, etc. Eat the right fats, you know, supplement with good anti-inflammatory fats, your fish oils, etc. cetera. Um, it starts with, as I said, you have to feed your gut flora to make sure that they function optimally. Then for those who are 
maybe needing, because we can't guarantee the quality of our foods, unfortunately, today. We cannot. So I always do suggest to people, supplement. Use some supplements that do help with you know, immune enhancement. You don't want to simply boost your immunity, but what you want to do is prime your immunity so that should it need to get going, it gets going a lot faster than having a sluggish immunity. And that comes down to very good nutrition. It comes down to what you, you eat, you ingest. Hmm. Okay. So, so you know, stop antioxidants, etc. Yeah. Oh, totally. You know, antioxidants, good food and a good fats, um, high protein, low carbs, etc. Makes I always say carbs paralyzes your natural killer cells. It's a type of white blood cell. And that's been known for years. You know, the use of sugar, you literally paralyze the functioning of the very same cell that would protect you against viruses called natural killer cells. And it's been that known is- for 15, 20 years. Well, I mean, we kind of, I mean, I, I, you know, I can understand why that might not have made it, made it into mainstream media. <laughs> it was going against industry. We did say it. It's going against industry. Yeah, it's crazy. I always try to tell myself, like, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it's just so no, hard to, like, no, ignore but, it. It's but, crazy. You yeah. know, the, the other discussion I have to, you know, I, I enjoy having is, why is it that we've suddenly seen a sudden increase in chronic you know, lifestyle diseases. Mm. It comes down to the refinement process of our foods. Mm. I mean, it comes down. Why you take the myth, the cholesterol myth? Okay, um, we've seen a sudden increase in the number of people testing raised cholesterol. It's not the cholesterol that kills you; mm. it's the inflammation. Yeah. Okay? But we have these poisons called statins. The moment the person tests six. On the cholesterol, it's cheap enough to, you know, to prescribe, but they're not doing yeah. anything. They're not going to change the cardiovascular risk of the patient. What they ultimately should be doing is allowing the people to eat the right fats and not putting them onto plastics and refined foods the way we are suggesting it. Because if you look at the, um, a study published by the American Journal of Cardiology about four years ago, where they looked at the intervention in patients with high or raised cholesterol. They gave, they looked at those who used statins and those who did not use statins. The cardiovascular risk in the people using statins were exactly the same, meaning statins on their own do nothing. Yeah. So advise people to use the right foods, to ingest the right fats, and to stay away from the refined foods and the plastics, the margarines, etc. It's the wrong, wrong Plastic. sets. It is. It, let's think about it. Yeah, I know you're how right. Do we, how, do we make, how do we make margarine? You have yeah. to hydrogenate the oils for it to solidify. And just to get the oil out of the plant, it's got a whole process as well. Yeah. Exactly. And then they make it a healthy one by adding back what they've taken out of the oils in the first place. Yeah. So, so the... You know, two more questions, okay? And the, and the first one is about, about lockdown itself. You were, you had a comment on sugar and cigarettes. I mean, if you had to tweak the lockdown rules, well, if you had to tweak, if, if lockdown was like your project, how would you change it? I would allow people to exercise more. In other words, a lot more get out the house. Exercise has a very positive effect on your mental state, but also immune system. Your endorphins, you know, impact positively. That's a first Secondly, I would review what foods people have access to. Limit 
all the junk foods. It's not one thing to say, oh, well, cigarettes are not allowed to be sold. Alcohol is not allowed to be sold. But please, guys, go out there and buy as many two-liter Cokes as you want and go and buy all the, you know, the, the fast foods that you need. No, it's wrong. That is wrong. Um, I would personally also like to see a bit more freedom as far as movements concerned. Um, I always think about the elderly who are in lockdown with no family able to actually reach them. Now, that can be soul-destroying, and we know what depression does on the immune system. So taken with the right precautions, you know, the masks, the washing of hands, etc. I really believe that home visits, especially to the aging people, to the elderly, should be allowed and not prohibited the way we are doing it. Yeah. Well, that's that's fascinating. So I might throw one more question at you, given what you just said, and that was that um, you said, you know, lack of exercise, all of these things impact your immune system. And it's actually another Hippocrates quote. So he said, it is more important to, to know what sort of person has a disease than to know what sort of disease, what disease? a person has. Exactly. Why is it, if you look at people, uh, you get one member of the family that gets diagnosed with high blood pressure and diabetes. Look at the family. It's not one individual. It comes from the way those people um, work and live together. They eat the same things. So it, if you look at the person, you can predict what type of diseases those people will also have. They may not be at the stage where they're diagnosed with diabetes or high blood pressure, but you can bet your bottom dollar that five years down the line, they will be diagnosed the same way as the father or the mother, et cetera, because they live in the same house. They all look the same. Then I always have these pictures of, and heaven forbid, the Americans. If you look at the Americans walking down the road, you never see a skinny person with a big fat obese person next to them. They are both obese. Okay, yeah. so it comes it comes down to, and you don't have to to do any diagnostic tests to know exactly what diseases you can predict it looking at mm. the person. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. So all the Hippocrates, Hippocrates, and that was what nineteen. I mean, at zero seventy something, he was like fifty years AD basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had it going on. Okay, so now, like zooming out a little bit and and sort of parking corona on the side for a bit, we've got this chronic ill health epidemic, pandemic as well, in fact. And corona is basically the lion picking off the weak vulnerabilities, which is which is a tragic reality. How do you, and, the, and there's a lot of stuff that's caused this. So it's food policy, advertising legislation. In fact, from a government level, it's subsidizing um, ah. foods that are cheap and easy. So in your mind, like, what do you think needs to be done to reverse the, the chronic ill health epidemic? It's going to take years, John. It's not mm. going to happen during the COVID-19 lockdowns. No, of course, uh, It's yeah. rethinking and advising the government as to what policies should be put out there as far as healthy eating, providing the right education, to people who get diagnosed, I mean, it's 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 sad. It's in fact tragic when you think that people get diagnosed with obesity or diabetes to, today. What intervention, apart from a medical, you know, a medicine being prescribed, what interventions are we providing for those patients? Mm. Absolutely nothing, nothing. Mm. So to change that policy is going to take years. And you know, I lecture to, to students, you know, registered for dietetics and nutrition, what have you. And I always say to them, 
guys, your role is possibly even more important than your colleagues who say you didn't get into medicine, so that's why you went into dietetics. I keep telling them their professional um, role in society is a lot more important than the doctor who can prescribe in medicine because they can prevent disease and they can manage chronic diseases by giving the people the right advice. It's not prescribing a drug because we're doing absolutely nothing to change the course of disease in those people who get diagnosed today with these chronic lifestyle diseases. Sure. Uh, okay, well, so last question, really. This is, this is like my fourth last, last, last question. But um, from now and, uh, you know, moving forward, how does this change? How does what's happened now with Corona change uh, what happens with your career? Um, personally, I've been an immunologist. This is possibly, well, there was one major, major thing that changed my life. And that was I was a student in France studying doing my PhD in immunology when HIV was first described. I'm going back to 1981. And when I approached my mentor, my professor at the time, I said to him, what exactly is this HIV? He looked at me and said, this virus will redefine the way we think about medicine. And in fact, he was quite right because it actually led to the explosion of knowledge concerning the immune system. COVID-19 is a second wave of um, renaissance, a new, you know, renaissance of old ideas, um, the generation of new information, new info, new ideas, new knowledge. And I reckon that today, when we get over this, hopefully by next year sometime, by the time we've gone over this, there would be so much more knowledge concerning how a virus can actually impact on the immune system that's supposed to protect you but it actually causes the turning around of that immune system that kills you with a form of inflammation. So it's going to change the medical books. It's going to change the, the knowledge as far as basic immunology is concerned. So that's it's very amazing. exciting for me. It's yeah, very exciting cool. because to me, that's what I, I thrive on. And that is new knowledge every day. And yeah, it's going to be exciting. Well, uh, hopefully as exciting as it's been for everyone to listen. It's certainly blown my mind. And this, this, I hope that everyone listening to this shares the hell out of it because this is something that everyone needs to hear. So it's been an honor chatting to you and a real pleasure hearing your views. Um, Thanks, John. And yeah, and, and yeah, I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to join the Supper Heroes community, please get onto Facebook and join the Facebook group that is the Supper Heroes Facebook group for more information on me follow me on Facebook the Jono Proudfoot follow me on Instagram at Jono Proudfoot check out my website www.jonoproudfoot.com and if you're interested in taking my online keto course or getting online keto coaching check out realmealrevolution.com please follow and download we're out to change the world and you can be a part of it see you next week